Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everybody, to the Generous Business Owner Podcast. My name is Jeff Thomas. I'm one of the co-hosts. We have a super special treat for you today. We got Jace Robertson of Duck Dynasty fame. Say hi, Jace. Hey, how is everyone out in the business? (laughs) Thanks for being with us. I mean, he's got all kind of other projects. I'm a big fan of your Unashamed podcast you do with the family. And and then you've got uh, the Duck Family Treasures I've been enjoying. So anyway, you got all kinds of cool projects. We'll get into all that. But I just wanted to welcome you to the podcast. And usually, Jace, the way we start off is just, I know a lot of people kind of know who you are from TV or the podcast or whatever, but maybe they don't know a lot about how you grew up. And that's kind of how we usually start it. Maybe tell us what it was like growing up for you. Yeah, I grew up about as poor as you could be. I mean, I think we were considered poor white trash. And uh, my family, my parents were not followers of the Lord. And uh, my dad, mainly my dad, had made a lot of bad decisions. And, you know, whether it was drinking too much whiskey or, you know, smoking dope or, you know, chasing women, that was pretty much what kind of defined my childhood. And, uh, you know, I meet a lot of people that come from broken homes or they're going through that. And you're, as a kid, you're just trying to survive. So and true. So that was my up, yeah, that was my upbringing. And, uh, my dad had leased a bar and that's how he was making a living. And he got in trouble with the law. It kind of led him to kicking us out and which really made no sense. You know, when you're living a simple life, you start making irrational decisions. And so my mom packed, it was me and my two brothers up and moved to West Monroe and she literally pulled over in a church parking lot and just kind of asked for help. And wow. they got her a job and of course they shared Jesus with her. And, uh, and in a bold move of faith, the, one of the pastors there said that they wanted to share Jesus with my dad. And she said, well, I'll tell you where he's at. And she gave him the directions to the bar. And the pastor and my dad's sister went up, and that's where he heard Jesus was at the bar he was leaping. And, uh, boy, it, it convicted him. Make a long story short, he drove to my mom's new job, and uh, that's the first time she'd ever seen him cry. And he said he's going to get his life to Jesus. And so we, the family, got back together. It had been about a year since I had seen him. And uh, we moved to the middle of nowhere, the banks of the Washtenaw River here in Louisiana, and he just, he had two master's degrees, but he just said, I'm going to get my life right with God. I'm going to fish the river. I'm going to build duck calls, and we're just going to trust in the Lord. And that's basically, you know, the beginnings I, I started from. Man, what a story. How old were you when all this was kind of going down, when he was trying to get his life together? I was about, you know, it was a process. And uh, so I was like seven, six, seven, eight during that we moved to the river when I was eight. I was in third grade. And uh, we just, you know, he didn't have any money or anything. And so we basically lived by however many fish we caught. And uh, he would borrow money for, uh, you know, for to buy nets. And then he would try to pay that off. And then he eventually borrowed money to, uh, he met a guy at church who 
believed in my dad and uh, loaned him the money to buy the equipment to uh, base the duck hall. Oh, my gosh. And so, but it was rough. I mean, at school, I remember I was embarrassed. You know, I had a little free lunch ticket, you know. And yep. I, but the Lord started blessing us. And I remember that big day when I was in junior high when I went from free lunch to reduced lunch. And I thought, now we're getting somewhere now. I'm actually, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was proud to pay a dollar, you know. Right. Oh, man. But uh, I think, you know, I tell this story because, you know, even today when people see me, you know, my dad, they're never thinking that we're businessmen. I mean, they think a vagrant, perhaps, you know, or a threat or... They are maybe, you know, Duck Dynasty, but uh, we just, I think it came from our beginning, you know, we found joy in the Lord and put our family back together. And even though we didn't have anything, we were working hard, which, which keeps you humble and you're trusting God. And so that way, when we did become famous, it kept it in the right perspective. All these things, these normal traps that famous people fall into. You know, it just didn't, it just didn't bother us as much as most people. We viewed it as blessings from God that needs to be used accordingly, you know. No, oh, I just love that. And, you know, nobody ever buys the story up and to the right in a straight line anyway. So, you know, <laughs> I always call that leading with the limp. I think that's what we all enjoy is, is the stories of, of kind of overcoming things. And we've all overcome things, whether we just are transparent about it or not you know, or we're working on, or if you're not overcoming, you're going to be overcoming something. So, so, okay. So now you, so now you got this duck doll call business in the family. And now are we doing child labor at this point where you guys are out there putting these things together or how, how did you we, get involved in this? Yeah. If I would have been familiar with child labor, <laughs> I have into that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you know, I was the one who kind of, I, I had, I was most like my dad as far as appreciation for the outdoors. I was always enamored with it, and I just, I love duck hunting more than my other brothers. And so I really enjoyed the art of building these devices that are, you know, simulating wild ducks. And so uh, I bought into that hook, line and sinker. So it didn't, it didn't seem like work to me. Yeah. And uh, like I said, I was, I was so happy that my family had changed. Now, you know, to be perfectly clear, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a good relationship with my dad because there had been so much bad blood when I was little that I was just kind of bitter toward him. And so I had to work that out during the process. But, uh, when I came to Christ at 14, so it's six years later was when I really gave that to the Lord because it hit me as I was pursuing, you know, Jesus. I kind of realized what most people of faith do that, well, God's been pursuing me this whole time. And I didn't even realize it. But when I got to the cross, I thought, well, I'm not going to be able to appeal to the cross for forgiveness if I'm not willing to forgive my dad. And by that time, six years into it, he truly had proven himself. And uh, so I just, I went to him and I asked him to baptize me because I, you know, and he said, well, it doesn't matter who baptized you. I said, yeah, but I kind of told him, I was like, I've been pretty bitter at the way you operated, you know, when we were little. And uh, I said, I just figure if I'm going to appeal to God's forgiveness, then I need to forgive you. And uh, so we just kind of had a moment, walked down to the bank of the river, and, you know, he baptized me. About where we had a little boat dock where people lost their boats, we'd charge them a dollar a boat. You know? That was always a special place, you know, for me. 
Wow. What a story of redemption, man. That's the word that keeps running through my brain is, is redemption. And I think, you know, you know, heck, I was just watching that uh, John McEnroe, the tennis player uh, biography the other night, I think on, I think it's on Showtime. And, and, you know, he was talking about even after his dad passed, he was still looking for assurances from his dad that he loved him. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I, I just think that's, this father-son relationship is so key, you know, because if it goes well, we get a little glimpse maybe of how God looks at us. You know what I mean? When it goes well. Yeah, exactly. And when it goes poorly, sometimes it's hard to figure out how could God love me? You know what I mean? So that, that relationship is so important, you know, so I'm, it's so awesome that you guys were able to reconcile that. And then my goodness, how God has redeemed everything. It's amazing. Well, he has. And, uh, you know what, you know, of course, the farther I went along in, in my faith, I realized the more I studied the word, I realized that, you know, even Jesus himself, you know, when he came down and was like John the Baptist, you know, his father declared him as the son of God. And he said, you know, whom I'm well pleased and I love. And then in that special moment, he's then carried by the spirit to the wilderness and I think that really, you know, it should inform people that life is filled with wilderness moments. And, uh, you know, we had our wilderness moment first, and there's been a lot of great things that happen in the wilderness. And uh, it humbles you. It makes you realize that, you know, without God, we don't really have a plan. Because, I mean, our, our entire family and life was just in a mess. I mean, it was Jerry Springer-type material. And... uh so then, you know, you come full circle and realize, uh, you know, what we share now. Here's me and my dad. We do a podcast called Unashamed, which is talking about our faith, you know. Millions of people listen to it. And we're sitting here as brothers. Really, I mean, father, son, yes. But you know, I always call my dad by his first name. A lot of people thought that that was offensive, and they wondered why. I did that, and I didn't really have an answer, but I guess as we've gone along, we've realized that the father-son thing just got off to a horrible start. So, uh, and once we came, you know, I came to, he came to the Lord, I came to the Lord, we were brothers, and that's what patched up the father-son relationship. So, it reminds me of that story, when, which is controversial in the Bible, but when Jesus was sitting in the circle, and his family showed up, you know, the previous paragraph that they thought he was had gone crazy because he was doing miracles, you know, and causing all this drama. And he said, you know, my real mother and brothers are seated around in this room, and it's those who do the will of God. So he was actually giving you a sneak peek in what it means to be a part of a forever forever family with God. And it's not negating the importance of our family here, because he, he's the architect to that. But man, when you catch that vision, that not only can you be a family here on earth, I mean, you can be part of a family forever with God in heaven. I mean, that's really appealing to me. And I live that and saw that. Well, it's interesting. So, yeah, I was talking about that father-son relationship. But then, you know, as you sort of give that picture, I'm just sort of thinking how we're all thought of as children of God. You know, our parents, us, our kids. I know you and I both have one grandkid each. That's super fun. I mean, so we have all those roles on earth, but at the end of the day, all those generations are children of God. And so we have that, you know, a little bit of that vertical. Yeah, the reason our family looks like the United Nations 
is because that's where we came from. So, you know, along the way, God has sent us, you know, right now I have an adopted daughter who's from Nicaragua. She's an orphan. And, you know, we didn't go seek her out. She literally came here and uh, just uh, through circumstance. And uh, after a while, I just said, you don't have any parents. We don't have a Nicaraguan daughter. <laughs> what do you think? You know? <laughs> and uh, so she's like, yes. And she's, her name's Karina, and we're real proud of her. She just graduated college and uh, got her job in Washington, D.C., which is truly amazing. This girl educated herself from the Internet, got her scholarship to go to high school in Germany, and then got her a scholarship to go to college in the U.S. And uh, so, and she, look, she did it with her relationship with God. And, uh, cause that was the most appealing aspect to her, to Jesus and Christianity, cause, you know, she was an orphan. Oh. And, uh, no data would tell you that she's going to have a successful life. I mean, she literally came from the slum of Nicaragua, but there was a, there was a pastor down there who kind of, him and his wife took her under, you know, their wing and not, not that she lived there or anything. They just tried to help her out and he'd say, look, you got to educate yourself to get out of here. And he shared Jesus in the process. And uh, so we have her, and now we have a baby that we're fostering that uh, we've had him for seven months. We had him since he was two days old. And uh, he came from a woman who, who my wife had brought to the Lord years ago through a ministry and uh, lost connection with her. And she basically signed her baby over to us because uh, she was in prison. And uh, so... There we are. You know, it's like, should we do this? Or I was like, I told Missy, I was like, when God, <laughs> when God throws you a path, you know, from heaven, you catch it. You know, but that's just, that's what we're doing. But it, it all goes back to where we started and you realize that in life, it can be tough. It can be difficult, but you know the answer and his name is Jesus and he can put things back together. And in that process, we're trying to get this kid's mom some help. So she can get off drugs and stay out of prison and be a good mom. But in the process, you know, you want to be a protector of the innocent. Well, what's so interesting to me, of course, you know, we met with uh, Lee Strobel and talking about evangelism and all of that at, at your brother's house. But what really struck me and, you know, when we struck up that conversation, I'm having that same feeling now. I just got this sense that, you know, we talked about the word redemption of how your family started and. You know, frankly, you didn't have a lot to do with that. You're a kid. Like you say, you're just trying to survive. And then uh, you get to this healthier place as a family. And I just keep thinking about all these stories in the Bible about how God uses all kinds of people, often the least, you know, the people that you would least expect him to use. He kind of does it on purpose, I think, to show his power and how he's in charge. And uh, but I think this redemption and what hit me in our first conversation, what's hitting me now is, you know, all we're supposed to do, if we're just stewards and not owners of anything in this life, you know, if God owns it all and we're just steward what he gives us, you know, he's He's giving you some of this fame, giving you this business. You guys really do run a business. It's a media empire. You got the duck business course, uh, the duck call business and all that. And, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, and we're talking to generous business owners, a lot, a lot of business owners, you know, listening to this, thinking about how do they use their platform. And for some of them, like we were talking in the pre-call, you know, they use that to give away money or whatever. But some of them have talked about how they treat their employees. But 
I think for you, of course, it's all those things, but it's also just how do you use the things that God brings in your path? I mean, you're not even talking about children, you know? Oh, that's right. Well, that's the way we look at life. And, you know, every we've asked this amongst my family. I would say the question I'm fixing to give you, we have asked this hundreds of times, either whether it's me and Willie talking about duck calls or, you know, the TV shows that we've done you know, or the podcast or the various projects we do, we'll say, where's Jesus in this? Hmm. And it's always a good question because we view the obvious fact that we became successful on a show being ourselves, which was very difficult to do because, you know, as a narrative, and when you have producers involved of what our like, and we had successful videos and we had a successful show on the Outdoor Channel, which is what led to the dynasty. But all those things happened because we were just being ourselves and we figured since it was successful, well, it must be God making it successful. So, you know, we, even when we would do the duck call seminars at business, everyone told us, Jesus, because you might offend somebody by your duck calls. But we just made a pact that this is a platform that God has given us. We're getting to do what we love to do, but we're going to give credit to him. And uh, my whole uh, dad's idea from building duck calls, uh, this is an interesting thing in the business world. It came from him reading Genesis 9 because in the duck call world, you could only sell duck calls if you won the world champion duck calling contest. And they do it every year in Stuttgart, Arkansas. But what they were doing with their duck calls didn't sound like ducks. It's bigger, better, louder. I mean, they do these long, high-ball notes on the duck calls. And so my dad was reading Genesis 9 in his new faith, you know. And he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build duck calls for just duck hunters that sound like ducks that will put food on the table. And so that idea, which doesn't seem that wowing, you know, it, he became the greatest seller of duck calls in the history of duck call <laughs> But it was more authentic, and it was, you know, we're just going to use these to hunt. So they developed a term for those called meat calls, and uh, that's why that was successful. So then we just decided when we took that to the camera to be ourselves, to not be ashamed of our faith. And what I've learned about people who watch TV, if you can bring authenticity, they'll watch. If they believe this is real, there, people are enamored because so much of TV is not real, and it's you know it's, it's too far one way or another. And look, it, that has its place too. But for us, we believe that success came with that authenticity, and the and the authentic part of it is that God God did this, not us. You know. You know what's so interesting is you know as a fan of the show, I would watch it. And to be honest with you, and maybe this this was me projecting because I spent the first like ten years of my career frankly, doing what I wanted and asking God to bless my plan. Okay. So I was probably projecting that. And I thought, okay, when we came to meet you guys, I thought, well, I think, I mean, I really think they're trying to do it the right way, but you know, maybe the God part is an add on, you know what I mean? Like, okay, we'll do a little prayer because you know, we're Christians at the end. All right. And what I realized in about five minutes from talking to you and your brother and your family was, wait a minute, I love that line, where is Jesus in there, is the first question. And then the authenticity, Then so you're putting God first, and then you're just being who you are. Man, what a concept, as opposed to trying to manipulate the world and having 
God as a, what do they call it, like a holy vending machine, you know, where you kind of bang yeah. on it and hope something flies out the bottom if you put some change in it, you know? that's uh, a, it's, con- it's consumer-driven. You know, a lot of our churches are consumer-driven. You know, people, they go to get what they can get. I mean, whether it be the worship or, you know, thinking if they could show up and put $20 in, that they'll turn that 20 into 200 you know, it, it, it's that kind of mindset. They got the cart before the horse. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I love Second Corinthians eight. Thanksgiving is about understanding grace, and uh, you know I'm thankful now of our humble beginnings because you can be truly happy, and and you know joy is probably a better word, than yeah. a biblical word, without having a lot of material possessions. Because when God transformed my parents' lives, and essence got to all my brothers and myself. Yeah, we were we were experiencing joy. We were hunting together. We were fishing. I mean, we were living off the land, which is why today, you know, I'm really good at hunting. My wife always jokes. She's like, if the, the world ends or you know, <laughs> some kind of zombie apocalypse, everybody's going to come to my, you know, our house because really good at providing and living off the land. And uh, even to this day, most of the meals we eat are, you know, from our hunting or fishing or whatever. So. It was just having that start that I'm thankful for. So, you know, you stay away from the temptations of thinking that if you have a lot of money or power or fame, like that's going to make you happy. We we were already happy going in, you know, through our relationship. So you use all these things as blessings. I mean, I said this today in an earlier podcast, in our podcast we filmed today, I'm just as embarrassed and I when I signed the, my autograph for the first time, I probably signed it over a million times, but I'm just as embarrassed at the last one. I, to me, what does it really mean? I was on a little goofy TV show, you know, and you want my autograph. And so I usually put a Bible verse or I, I draw, you know, the cross of Jesus and an arrow pointing up because I'm like, there's nothing to that. You know, whatever you think this is, I'm just an ordinary fella, you know, but. The power's coming from somewhere else. Well, I think you're really on to something here with this authenticity is, uh, boy, in this world of social media and selfies and, you know, I mean, I think every, I mean, what the world is telling you is be anything but authentic, you know, just show the, the smiley face and uh, don't show the, the tough part. And I love that phrase you use, which is life is full of wilderness moments, like, you might have another show title in there or a podcast or something. It's something about wilderness moments. I mean, that'll preach. Well, you know, well, I'm going to tell you right now, I care that about having a little baby. But, but my wife and I cannot be any good. And, uh, right. you know, and there's a reason that, you know, people who are over 50 are not having newborns. <laughs> right. it, is, it is exhausting, but it is a wilderness moment. Now, we yeah. love that, you know, little boy. And he, he's just gift from God, but it is a wilderness moment. It made me look at verses that I had looked over in the past of the Bible, and I now take notes, and one of them I hit on was in Hebrews 12, and it said, you know, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, you know, the awesome perspective of our faith, and then it, it, it lists two, two categories. Let us throw off the things that weigh us down and the sin that so easily entangles. I mean, most people know that if you go out there and you know, or living a sinful life, you're going to get tangled up and it's going to be very difficult to find 
you know, Jesus and, and clarity in that. But we don't think about those things that weigh us down. I used to think, well, what could that be? But now I realize that it, I think it's blessings that God gives us that we're not approaching with the right attitude. And it's weighing us down. Because here's the thing, when we're tired, we're exhausted, we're busy, but now we have a baby. What's well, a blessing from God? But if we don't have the right attitude, it's going to weigh us down. And uh, I preached that to my wife one night because we were kind of, you know, as most married couples do, when you're exhausted and you have a situation, you tend to, you tend to start, you know, yakking at mm-hmm. each other. And uh, I said, look, I think I found something. And I'm going to tell you, that night that we talked about that, it, it just immediately got better. We just looked at it like, you know what, this is a blessing from God. It's going to be difficult. We're going to take this one day at a time, but we're going to have a good attitude about it. And I think that's just the way to look at it, you know. I think you're right on the money. You know, you can look at these, quote, challenges in different perspective. One of the phrases we use a lot is the gift of the struggle. And yeah. you think, you know, think about how people get stronger, you know, even in the weight room, right? I mean, you got to put stress on the muscles, you know, and it's like, you can choose how you see things, right? It's not, you know, it's not whether you're going to have challenges or struggles. It's how you're going to deal with them. And it seems exactly. like it's a whole lot easier, at least for me, to deal with them with God's help and comfort to get through it rather than uh, trying to handle it on my own and kind of getting depressed about it. And so I just yeah, think, exactly. you know, I think that early gym you put in, you know, we talk, sometimes we have families that we deal with, which uh, with a lot of financial resources, and sometimes they have choices about whether to let their kids struggle, you know, the way maybe you and I struggled as kids. It wasn't an option. We just had to struggle, you know. But Yeah, it was a part of life. Right. But for some people, you know, they've got more than they need early, and we always tell those parents, you got to give them the gift of the struggle. Now, it might be you have to build a gym. They don't get to (laughs) build their muscles out on the field naturally. But you might have to build a gym at home, you know. But you think about all the aspects of life. I mean, here you are. I mean, we're probably the last two people that you would think would become friends. But that's what Jesus does is he brings people together from, you know, it doesn't matter where you are, what color you are, how much money you got. I mean, under Jesus, we're under that same umbrella because you can apply those same principles in business. And I could tell when I told you, you know, I've, I have stocks. I do my own investment. And because I'm, when I was a kid, I was always good at games. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I played cards and it was something I was good at. Well, once I got the money, you know, people were like, you should invest that. Well, what really drew me into that was that the wilderness moments of like the stock market, well, that people you see, you know, you see their soul through fear or greed. So true. And I'm like, if I apply the same spiritual principles there, I'll be successful because it always comes back to that, you know, something when it comes to the things we argue about or weighs us down. And it's usually money or our relationship with our wife or, or, you know, it, sometimes it is, you know, our past sins or the things that come up. But when you apply it that I'm going to put God first, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to think about that comes to money, I'm going to think about that rich young ruler who, you know, wanted to follow it and Jesus said, well, go sell everything you have. That threw him for a leap because he was like, well, wait a minute here. He, he didn't, he wanted to have this life without any of the wilderness. And so, 
yeah, we're going to trust God. We're going to work hard and we're going to let the Holy Spirit and the qualities of love, joy, peace, patience, you know, kindness, feelings, faithfulness, self-control, these kind of qualities dictate how we make decisions. And through all that, we're going to use that wilderness or top of the mountain to promote Jesus. How you just look up and things become clear. It, you know, it's just the, the formula applies to everything. So in business, the call business, we have the same formula. You have the wilderness moment. You all get together in your family. You have the wilderness moment. You always have to come to Jesus meeting in every aspect. That's the way we apply that principle to all the different ventures that we have are involved in. Man, I just love it. Well, look, I know we got to wrap it up, but you know, Jace, this has been so much fun for me. The question we always try to kind of wrap up with, and you've got a lot of, I call them golden nuggets of, of wisdom you've dropped on us today, but maybe you sort through one or, or come up with another one. Because one of the things we try to leave everybody with is, you know, we're just a bunch of business people talking to other business people. You know, we're all about practical tips, just like you're talking about authenticity. That's what we're trying yeah. to be. And we know we're all trying to just get better. And so like, if you're just thinking about, some business owner driving down the street there in West Monroe or whatever, going to the hardware store he runs or whatever business, a lawyer, whatever he is, and you just had one practical tip that they could employ next week to kind of move in this direction, what would a little practical tip be? Can you think of something you want to share? I would say it's two things. I mean, the first, when I don't know what to do or I have a situation comes up, whether it's in one of the businesses I'm involved in or whether it's the stock market or whatever, I have, uh, first I pray to God. And the second thing is I always have about five guys, which I probably have a total of 10 that I feel like are in my inner circle. And the way they got in the inner circle is that when I watched them, the one thing that stood out above all else was that they loved Jesus. And So I get to know them. And some of these people that are in my inner circle, I literally have nothing in common with them outside of Jesus. Yep. But I take that, those 10 close guys and I usually check with three or four of them on anything that I'm unsure about. Or I'll say, here's what I'm thinking. Or even when I brought up the stock thing, because I know, you know, you do that. I have four guys and we have a group text. And the reason I'm saying this is because there's a reason God was the architect of family and the architect of the church, which is, you know, we need each other. And in the second chapter, it's not good for a man to be alone. And I think it keeps your your perspective right. And, uh, you know, the stock market's crashing, it's crashing, it's crashing. And I'll see a couple of them guys texting things like, you know, be a negative. And I'll say, hey, you got to remember the big picture here. And they're like, yeah, you're right. And then I'll put the big picture as it relates to We've been forgiven. God's blessing us. We're going to rise from the dead. We're going to live forever. That usually ends that. But I've right. that same thing done to me by other people. So I, I think you need men, you know, if you're a man, if you're a woman, you need three or four sisters who hold you accountable, who give you good ideas, who and who keep you in that perspective of where's Jesus in all this, you know? I mean, that's my advice. That's I love my it. Function. It's very difficult to do because most successful people want to, they're tempted to say, oh, look what I've done and I'm smart and, you know, I've got this education. But 
you need those people in your ear because most of those people will tell you what what you don't necessarily want to hear, but is right. Well, I love that. We, it, one of our principles at the company, life is a team sport. So I love that reference to man was not meant to be alone as a as the biblical support for that, you know? And, and yeah, I, I tell and, you, if you pray to God and you ask people who love Jesus, who love you, their advice, it's amazing on the things you didn't think about and how usually your perspective was, you weren't even looking at the right things to be looking at, you know? It's amazing how it makes you realize, okay, let me keep moving forward here. Well, I, I just love that. Well, listen, thanks so much for being with us. Where can people find you these days? We talked about the Unashamed podcast. What other projects should they be looking for? I'll tell you this. Watch the podcast because we do, we're do. we doing so many podcasts. We do four a week now that you will find every other venture I, I'm involved in somewhere Perfect. on that podcast. I mean, we talk about the Lord, number one. We study books of the Bible. We're in chapter, I mean, uh, the book of Mark now, chapter three at this moment. But we'll have the first segment is usually what other ventures that we're going on. And so okay. uh, I hope to see you there. Well, that's awesome. Well, once again, thanks a bunch. And everybody, thanks for tuning in to this week's Generous Business Owner Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.